This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fall is in the air. Last Saturday, Dave and I watched a college football game and we had a, quite a crew with us. Uh, we had our wives, we had Dave's daughter, and we had Dave's wife's cousin. Wow, what a fascinating guy. He is a fascinating guy. He is my claim to fame, <laughs> which I don't have a lot, but he was the coach for the LA Lakers. He actually worked with Pat Riley as an assistant uh, during the years in the 90s, and then he actually late 80s, and then he became the coach for about two years until Magic Johnson said he wanted to come back and Yeah, coach. that's right. And then he was out for a year or two and then ended up being the GM for the Miami Heat. Yeah, so he, he put that team together with, uh, he signed D. Wade yep, and had Yeah, he did Shaq. sign D. Wade. In fact, yeah. he was the, one of the guys who advocated for Dwayne Wade to bring him in. Wow. And he's had a great career. He's now retired. Yeah, Randy Fun. Randy Fun. yeah. So he has this big fat ring he has like three of them i think yeah. four of them but he, he always wears this big ring when you're around him and he, he's really fun to be with. he's probably been the most supportive of any family member on either side of our families wow and so he comes to these football games my son was playing he's the starting left tackle for a division three school bethel university so he came up to Kenosha and Steve and Pris were there yeah. and Randy was there and Jana and Jalen and that was fun and it and was I like Randy he uh, he he paid me a high compliment he said I look like Garth Brooks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and you know you, you guys were at a Garth Brooks concert and you met him because Randy knows the, the whole world the yeah, whole he entertainment does know the whole industry world. Yeah, so he does. <laughs> I, I felt pretty good about that well, I think I, it should be clear <laughs> that I am a hangers-on <laughs> Of the most, of the worst kind, right? I'm a, I'm a family member who's not really a family member. <laughs> hey, you have to play up those opportunities. Anyway, it was a gorgeous fall day, and it reminded me that summer is in the rearview mirror. You know, we are going to get to fly fishing here. There is a point to all of this. But, you know, I, I thought about it as I, you, you could see Lake Michigan through kind of a corner in the, the stadium, and... And it kind of reminded me, uh, as I look out over, the, the leaves are starting to turn. and Like, oh boy, summer is gone. And, and with that goes some of the fine dry fly fishing. Now, you don't need to send us emails. I, I'm fully aware that there's some really good dry fly fishing you know, in September and even beyond. I, uh, I remember fishing the East Gallatin in Montana. But, but hey, some of the summer hatches go away and, and uh, hopper season is done. And and you just don't have that that summer dry fly fishing i mean that there is a difference and you you start uh, at least i start getting the streamers out more often and and even nymphing with egg patterns if, if i'm in a brown trout fishery so we we get that but before we turn the page from summer to fall uh, we want to reflect on some lessons we learned from the summer summer dry fly fishing provides a lot of fun and and some lessons to learn or relearn. And so we're going to talk about those today. So Dave, as you think back over your fly fishing experiences this summer, how would you rate it on a scale of one to 10? I would probably give it a seven. 
All right. And it's as high as it is for two reasons. The first is my time with your brother Dave in Rocky Mountain National Park this summer. Oh, yeah. And I was out in Colorado for a business trip, and your brother's a professor out there. And nobody and thought to invite me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is a much better fisher than you oh, are. So yeah, no actually, kidding. No. <laughs> There's so, truth to that. So we took a day, and it was even a Saturday, so we were, I was a little worried about that, going up to the mountains with the masses. Yeah. Uh, that was when I heard that there's 100,000 people moving into Colorado oh, every year. And most of them, of course, are moving into the Front Range. That's right. So we went to try to find this creek that flows out of Rocky Mountain National Park near Grand Lake. But on our way, we kind of missed the turnoff. And we started. We actually ended up in the park and started fishing the Colorado. And okay. that ended up being really a great experience. We Terrific brook trout fishing before lunch and then we had lunch and then we actually went over trail ridge drive and then on the other from the side, west to the east right from the yeah, yeah. From the west to mm-hmm. the east and then fished the fall river in the afternoon it had really a terrific afternoon that's so a fun stretch i really fish. enjoyed fishing with your brother nice. we then had dinner in estes park and oh, just great yeah. conversations there that's and back cool. so it kind of rekindled a friendship that we had 30 years ago when he nice. and i were in graduate school together So I really enjoyed the day. So because of that, I would give it a seven. One more thing. Yours and my trip to the Minnesota Driftless, fishing Wiseau Creek in the Little Jordan. Those two days, actually one evening and one morning, really made the summer for me. Yeah. How about you? Absolutely. You know, I would probably give this year a six. And it it was okay. It wasn't great. I think some of that is I didn't have a lot of time. There, you were crazy oh, busy there this was. summer. There were just a lot of moving parts. And so, and I knew this year that primarily my fishing would be, I mean, a big trip would be in the fall. So maybe that's why. Usually summer, there's a time where it's often you and me, or if I'm out there with family, I'll get a week. But I didn't really have a, I didn't have any time out west except a couple of days in Colorado that were, uh, yeah, we had just moved my son, uh, my son who uh, played football for uh, University of North Dakota, graduated, uh, got married this summer, and uh, moved to uh, Denver. And so when we helped he and his wife get moved in, uh, we went up and we fished, uh, we actually fished Fall River uh, for two hours one afternoon. And it wasn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of time, but it wasn't as, you know, that you fish that sometimes, that's just hot. Yeah. It wasn't hot that day. It was... Uh, it was okay, and you know I didn't get in any hopper fishing. I, I, I'll say this though, yeah, the the time on Weasel Creek, the Little Jordan, this is in the uh, the, the Driftless uh, in uh, Southeast Minnesota. That was a real highlight. I felt like my fishing in the Driftless this year was a lot better this summer. So so anyway, that that was good. That that kind of redeemed things. So you know, no no complaints, no complaints. This is just how things. You know, kind of the ebb and flow of your your year, but I've had I've had better summers fishing. But hey, anytime you can get out, and you can catch some fish. I'm I'm thankful for all of it. Yeah, for sure. So, speaking of the driftless, the Minnesota driftless, I was at my son's first game, which was it was Labor Day weekend up in Minnesota St. Paul, the Minneapolis St. Paul yeah. area. And we had a parents' tailgate party, and, and one of the, one of the parents comes up to me and, and talk, was talking about his son. His son is also mm-hmm. a tackle, and 
he saw my shirt, which I had my Orvis shirt on. He goes, mm-hmm. hey, were you on that trip in Montana that I was just on? I didn't see you, but man, are you a fly fisher? So it was a wonderful <laughs> opportunity yeah. to chat. Well, it was his yeah. first time out, and so he went on a guided trip, which was great. And then I mm-hmm. said, hey, are you familiar with the Driftless? He goes, yeah, I've heard about the Wisconsin Driftless. I said, you live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and you've not heard of the Minnesota Driftless? You have some terrific fly fishing yeah. just an hour yeah. and a half, two hours south of here. In fact, you and I have always said that we almost prefer the Minnesota side to the yeah. Wisconsin side oh, just yeah. because of the mm-hmm. pressure. Oh, that's true. So that was a good reminder. The Minnesota Driftless this summer was good to us, and we had some really good dry fly fishing. Yeah, it really was. So when you think about the summer, think about dry fly fishing, what are some lessons that we learn? Maybe maybe starting first with old reminders, things that we know, but I don't know about you, Dave, but I find that whenever I go out, I relearn some things that, yes, I technically knew, but have to be reminded of. Anything like that for you? Well, watching your brother dry fly fish, and that I think is his strength. I'm not sure he even nymphs. Not much. He just kind of started. He's such a good dry fly well, fisher. Well, I think he fished he's earlier kind of in his life. Too. Yeah. He's also he, stubborn, but yeah, he just rather catch him on dry. Flies. He is. He's so persistent. But I watched him, and I think he was able to cast a curveball. I mean, <laughs> he was able to cast this fly, and at the very end, it curved underneath the branches that were overhanging. Wow. The, the stream, it was at the yeah. Ball River. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed with him. And he caught more on dry flies than I did. Now, I caught more on merger, well, mm-hmm. on mergers because yeah. I was using a, a dropper. But I, I was really impressed. I was just reminded again, the placement in the hole or in the run is so oh, critical. That's huge, isn't it? How about you? you know, I think for me, one reminder was how easy it is to see white. I was using uh oh what was it i think i had a red humpy on or something because those things are uh wow you can't sink them if you wanted to they they hold yeah they keep floating and and i switched to a a size 18 atoms which isn't it which isn't nearly as substantial but that thing was so easy to see and even towards dark i mean that white post it just sticks out like neon i remember a number of years ago too when i was just experimenting with uh, strike indicators and i would use a, an orange or like a fluorescent yellow something like that and i you know i had this i had like three or four of them and i lost those and the only one i had left was a white and i threw that thing out and i i kind of thought oh yeah i'm gonna i'm not gonna see this as well because you have white foam at places you know in the, the foam line and and wow that thing just stuck out so it reminded me that any flies with white i think you started using the hl variant this year a little bit more i did you? and they call it a rough water fly because yeah. it it just you can't sink that thing it's kind of like what a, a royal it, it looks to me like a royal coachman right it has calf mm-hmm. tail hair on both the wings right. and the tail its body is a little bit different right uh, it does have peacock curl on the body but, but it has more white does it It has a lot yeah, more white in the tail section it, maybe uh, it was the first time i ever used it in fact we're going to get here to a moment about new things and that that yeah. was one of the things i used but i love being able to see those 
<laughs> the fly. They really do make a difference. The other thing that I relearned was the importance of accurate casts. We fished a delightful little creek. It was called Weisel Creek in southeast Minnesota. Uh, I think we talked about that in another podcast, but it was really unique. There were a lot of weeds and there were channels where you could see, hey, here's a two-foot wide channel. And if you wanted to catch trout, you had to get your fly right in the middle of that thing. And when we did, wow, we got strikes. And when we didn't, uh, nothing. Yeah. And there was a lot of snagging because you had this tall grass that you had to actually oh, lift yeah. your hands mm-hmm. to cast over. And then if you, you know, the, the, the creek itself had a lot of, was very weedy because it was late summer or at mm-hmm. least midsummer. So you're right. These channels, I tell you, accuracy man you just need to keep working on your casting because oh you really do it's the difference between catching one fish or 15 fish absolutely so what about new lessons that you learned this summer dave anything stand out when it comes to dry fly fishing well i would just re-mention the hnl variant i have to be honest with you i i've never even heard of the fly and i know there are some of you thinking whoa dave you have been under a rock (laughs) or rip van winkle or something but I had not, and your brother Dave put me on to it, and I, I purchased several, and then we used it fly fishing in Rocky Mountain National Park. It's kind of a Colorado fly. It really it? is a Colorado fly, but I've used it elsewhere and done really well with it. It floats so nice and high on the water. It is just a terrific fly, and I'm going to use it elsewhere. Yeah, they do fish it. I think it was created like back in the 50s by a guy named Kaufman. And yeah. the H and the L stand for house and lot because the story goes he sold so many of these flies that he had created that he was able to buy, quote, a house and a lot <laughs> on the <laughs> frying great. pan river in Colorado. Wow. Of course, it has to be an apocryphal story because you yeah. have to sell a lot of flies <laughs> to make that happen. But the H and L variant, I really like it. And we had somebody post to our website that it does you don't have to tie the fly with calf tail hair like real calf tail right. hair there's all these different synthetic synthetic yeah, stuff that, is so much that works easier. just as well but yeah. and, and and really gives the same kind of floatability and visibility yeah so i, I would say that is yeah. uh, probably one of my top yeah that makes sense. new things that makes sense i found myself a couple of times out on the fall river Maybe thinking a little bit more like a fish. I know that kind of sounds silly, perhaps, but I, I mean, I tend to look at a stream or river and say, "Well, this is where I think the fish will be." But I, I found myself maybe doing that with a little bit more intentionality. I'd stop and look at a run, and I'd say, "All right, if I'm a fish, you know, where am I going to lie?" And a couple times. Uh, when they weren't rising, I'd say, I think there's got to be a fish right there. And, and sure enough, there was. Huh. Now, I, you know, I'm not ready to write a book on that <laughs> because <laughs> in some ways, about anywhere you throw a fly in, in those little runs in, in the Fall River, you're going to get a hit. But I, I, I did. I found some places where I thought, you know what, I think there just might be a fish there. And, and there was. So... Yeah, that, that may not seem like uh, some earth-shaking revelation, but I think that was a lesson for me to take more time to uh, analyze. Because you know me, I, 
Uh, sometimes you probably say I have fly fishing ADD. <laughs> That's for sure, do. baby. Yeah. So maybe it was just <laughs> three me. casts, and he's on to the next, next run. Right. So I just I found myself stopping and kind of watching a little bit more and thinking a little bit harder about you know, what every other fly fisher probably does. But it's just taken me a little longer to uh, catch on to the value of. Uh, you know, stopping, looking, analyzing, and then, you know, making that cast. And that's important, wouldn't you say, on those small streams? Because you really get one shot yep, that's in those it. runs. I mean, yep. and even if you get a strike, you can't say, oh, I'm going to get him this time. No, he's that, that trout's down. So Especially on the Fall River, I found that once I had that strike and didn't hook the fish, yeah. I had to move on to the mm-hmm. next run because it, you just simply don't get the second yeah. and third strike. I would say this, just as a general principle for me, and this is a, has been a discipline of a lifetime, is just to stop consuming fly fishing and be more thoughtful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked yep. about this millions of times, but slowing down, it's not about the how many fish you catch. And you and I have said this, you wrote this in a recent post, when we fished the gardener last fall, how many fish did we catch? 30, 40 in a couple hours, and it wasn't enough. Yeah. And you stop enjoying it, you stop experiencing it. And you and, and consequently, there's very little memory of some of those That's days, true. right? That's so very true. Just moving from, from consumption to thoughtfulness is just a big thing. And yeah. it's, yeah. That's true. Well, final topic here, Dave. Any fun stories that stand out from the summer? The big fun story for me was the moose story in Rocky Mountain National Park. We were fishing the Colorado. It was early in the day. I was with your brother Dave, and we're cast. Dave was cast. No, I was casting into this pool, and Dave was watching me. And all of a sudden, he says, "Dave, look!" And through the brush, about thirty-five yards away, there were two moose that were moving through the. Tr- through the timber. Wow. And what the, were they? Cows? Well, or? they were yearlings. Oh, yearlings. So okay. they were young and they were old enough probably that the mom wasn't there, but okay. you always worry about yeah. that because the mom mm-hmm. probably had a new calf at that point because they yeah. were yearlings. But they were young enough. They kept looking back into the brush. We thought, "Oh mm, boy, is there yeah. a mama back there?" So they moved off and we kind of lost them. We kept moving up the river and kept fishing. Well, then all of a sudden, about 45 minutes later, here they are again, about 50 yards away. And the way (laughs) they're stalking, they're stalking (laughs) us. Yeah. So the way the river moved, it started to move closer to the, the road going through Rocky Mountain National Park. So at this point, we're probably 100 yards off the road. Well, there were tourists stopped with their cameras. And somehow we were, we almost got in between the tourists and the and the moose and so we froze and the moose started moving towards us we had these two (laughs) moose moving and we're like "Uh uh-oh somehow we got to get out of here so (laughs) we kind of eased our way out and but at one point yeah the closest probably was 35 yards but at that point you're thinking i'm way too close to this moose And it was just really a wonderful, it was wonderful for me to be that close, but also put a little fear of God in us, you know? That's crazy. Oh, that is crazy. You You know, I think my fun story happened when we helped our son Luke and his wife Jansen move to uh, Denver. And we took a couple days, went up to Rocky Mountain National Park. In fact, my brother Dave uh, joined us. So uh, one afternoon we had to go into uh, Estes Park to eat. And I think we had hiked that day, so we went in to eat, and 
my wife, Priscilla, and my daughter-in-law, Jansen, wanted to stop at a few shops downtown Estes that we weren't necessarily interested in. So we, we went into the fly shop, one of the fly shops there, Kirk's. I think it's Kirk's Mountain Adventures. And, and then when we came out, be, behind this one row of stores, the, the, it's the Big Thompson River, I think. Or maybe that's the Fall River at that point. I, I think it's the Big Thompson. I don't know. You know what? Somewhere anyway, the Fall River yeah, does flow into right. the Big Thompson, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. The drainage but is anyway, not clear Anyway, there to me. is a river that runs uh, through that, uh, through Estes Park. And, you know, we've always looked at that and said, well, I think there's, I know there would be some good fishing. Nobody really fishes that. So uh, my son, Luke, who, yeah, has been playing college football for five years and, you know, is just desperate now to fish every second he can. He said, I think I want to try the, the river. And I said, yeah, that, you know, do that. It'd be fun. We have some time to kill. So we actually went into Kirk's just to make sure that, uh, hey, this isn't private property and are going to get arrested or something for fishing in Estes Park. And he said, oh, no, you can fish that. And the guy told us, he said, if you want to catch a fish, I guarantee you go up behind the restrooms there's some public restrooms that are right on the river, and he says, you fish in the, and I won't, uh, you know, tell you what he called it. You can probably guess, you know, particular kind of hole. He said, you, you fish there, you're guaranteed to catch a fish. So uh, Luke gets his fly rod out and <laughs> walks up to that run. About the third cast, he, on a dry fly, he, he hooked a nice brookie. And so we kind of <laughs> laughed about that, and there's all these people watching. You know, there's tourists and uh, you know they're fascinated by this most of them didn't fish and my brother Dave had his fly rod with him he wasn't fishing at that point but somebody said so tell me how does fly fishing work I why do they call it that I've heard about it and a funny thing it was somebody from Denver oh my. they thought wow they had never heard what fly fishing was so you know we're it's like we're doing this I'm watching this fly fishing demonstration and in Estes Park, you know, That's where my so son awesome. is catching a couple trout, and here's my brother lecturing on uh, <laughs> what fly fishing is. Well, it's probably one of those 95 percenters who live in Colorado that are not native. Exactly, yeah, one of the 100,000 who From Texas, in, maybe. Right, every year. Well, that's going to do it for today. It's time for great stuff from our listeners. As we pointed out, regardless of what time of year you're listening to this podcast, we're recording it as we make the shift from summer to fall. Here's a great comment about fall fly fishing from Gary Jr., someone whose thoughtful post or comments we always enjoy. Uh, Gary writes, The oncoming of fall is my favorite time of year. In fact, the smells of autumn are by far my favorite, with the scent of honeysuckle being the only comparable fragrance for the remainder of the year. Furthermore, there are few images in the world that I find more beautiful than the vermiculations of a brook or brown trout surrounded by the foliage of autumn. Dave, when's the last time you used vermiculations in a sentence? Oh, my. I like that. It's that's, that's been great. a while. That's great. That's awesome. Nothing more beautiful than the vermiculations of a brook or brown trout surrounded by the foliage of autumn. Well said. It also does not hurt that there is always the promise of larger specimens. Yes, big browns. Right? Absolutely. Fall is yeah. big brown time. That's a great comment. Thanks, Gary. Just a beautiful description of why uh, that is our favorite time of year, too. 
Well, that's going to do it for today. What lessons did you learn from dry fly fishing last summer? Please go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. Tell us what you learned about dry fly fishing from the experiences you had during the summer. You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere on all the social platforms. We publish a new episode each week on our website, and we've received lots of notes from you thanking us for our podcast. There are a couple things you can do if you want to help us promote the podcast. First, let your fly fishing friends and TU chapter know about our website and podcast. That's perhaps the biggest thing. Refer it. Yep, that's Second, helpful. If you want to do this, you could talk to your local fly shop owner and see if he or she would be willing to carry the book that we've published, the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. To make that happen, you can just email us or reach out via social media. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fly fishing.